Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to begin with verse 20. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's writing to us this morning. And notice what he has to say. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that you have allowed us to be here. We know we're not here by chance or happenstance. We're here, Lord, because you had this time set aside for us to meet with us, and we're grateful for that. So, Lord, don't let anything interfere with what you want to say to us or, Lord, what you want us to do in response to your word. Father, just give us courage to do exactly what you command. Let us be obedient hearers and not faithful forgetters. Or faithless forgetters. And Father, especially speak to those who have never made a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. That this would be the day that you would encourage them to do that. And we'll give you all the praise and glory that is due your name. For it's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. You know, the Bible is full of people that God used in mighty ways. As a matter of fact, that God used some people miraculously. We can think of, of Abraham, how he called him and how he provided for him. We think of Moses and how he had to lead the people. Uh, we can think of David, how he raised him from uh, the sheepfold. We can think of the Apostle Paul, how being in total rebellion to God, thinking he was serving God, but not how, how God struck him down on the Damascus Road and then saved him and led him to be one of the greatest missionaries the world has ever known. And we think about all those mighty acts of God, and we think God can, but do we really believe that he still does it today? Do we really believe that he would do it for us? You see, when we read those scripture passages, we understand that God can, that God is able to use us in unique and wonderful ways. That God, I want to hear it again, is able to use us in unique and wonderful ways. I know that he still works that way, and some of you do. Uh, I know uh, uh, some missionaries, and and uh, one of them that... Uh, was leading our church during a world missions conference, another church that I pastored, related that he and his wife had served in Africa for, at that time for 20 years. I'm sure he's retired by now. And they were back, what we would call the bush, the sticks, where you had to pump sunshine. They had no modern conveniences, and they faithfully served there in a little mission station they had. Um, they'd employed a couple of the local Africans to be housekeepers and things of that nature. They had started a little school for the orphans in the area. Just all kinds of good works for Jesus. And, and the local chieftain became upset because they were pulling people away from their traditional, and I want to call it heathenism, but from the traditions that they use where they worship trees and animals and all those kinds of things. And they were told that they were going to be attacked at the mission station. And they believed it because the tribe that they were ministering to was known for killing each other and killing other tribes. And so the husband and wife sent their children and the workers away to a safe place. But they remained at the mission. 
They felt God's will was for them to stay there. That night they heard the drums start beating and it worried them because that's when they always attacked. It was after the drums. It grew silent and they could see torchlights all around the mission station. And they waited for the attack all night. And they could not understand why it did not come when they could see them all around till in the morning they sort of drifted off. A couple of years later that very chieftain was saved and and the missionary brought it up and he said, why didn't you attack us that night? And he said, what do you mean, why didn't we attack you? You had so many strong and mighty men around you that they just sort of shone and scared us to death. And we knew we couldn't win, so we didn't attack. We waited for them to leave. And it was only then that the missionary realized that God had evidently sent angels to protect the mission station. See, our God can. And our God is able, but it requires faith on our part, and it requires us to do some things also. So let's look at God being able. The first thing I wanted us to realize is that our God is able to save. Okay, I want you to say it with me. Our God is able to save. Let's say it again. Our God is able to save. Y'all must be hungry and wanting to get out on time. You're responding well. For those of you visiting, if you don't respond, the sermon gets longer. If you respond, I cut it off. See, Hebrews 7.25 says this, Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to him through him, or through Jesus, since he ever lives to make intercession for them. What does uttermost mean? Uttermost means completely, to the extreme, without a doubt, all the way. In other words, Jesus doesn't save us part of the way or halfway or for some season. Jesus, if we're really saved, saves us completely. He saves us so much that he is interested in every detail of our life. That's why it says he forever lives making intercession for us. Intercession means he's there at the Father whispering our names for our benefit to God the Father. We need to remember salvation to the most. That is being able to save. We need to remember that. The way I like to say, say it is this. If you are truly saved, if you truly know, come to know Jesus, it sticks. You cannot approach Jesus Christ and remain the same. You're either harder or you're better. The second thing about it is that he saves us from darkness to light and from danger to safety. From darkness to light, from danger to safety. Colossians 1.13 says it this way. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Translated is just a technical Greek term. And it's what the Roman generals used to do when they would conquer a people. They would transfer them from one country to another. They would uproot them so that they would be submissive to the Roman authority. And they would transfer them, translate them to another country. And spiritually what Jesus does for us when, when we are saved, when we come to faith in him and repent of our sins, because that's what salvation means, what he does is he transfers us from that kingdom of darkness, from Satan's kingdom. He translates us from there, and he moves us to God's family. From darkness 
to love. He is able to do that because he's able to save to the uttermost. Do we understand that? You see, that's what God does. We don't need help. We need deliverance. From the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his family of love. I read in Reader's Digest, an old Reader's Digest, about a fella named uh, Walter Wyatt Jr. Now, he was a, a pilot of small aircraft, and usually he would fly from Nassau to Miami, Florida, and it took him about 45 minutes. But on this particular night, the storm clouds were moving in, and he got into his little Beechcraft airplane, and thieves had stolen all of his navigation equipment. And rather than canceling, he knew he had to make it to Miami for an important business deal the next morning. And so he got him a compass, okay? So he had, he had his compass, and basically that's about it. And, and he flew, okay? And he had his little radio, too. He got him a new radio. And as he's flying, uh, he gets up there in all that storm, and his little compass does this. That's not good when a compass does that. You realize that, right? And he thought, I'm lost. So he dropped down with all the clouds. He could see the sea. He couldn't see any landmarks. Couldn't see any lights. So he put out a mayday call for help. And a Coast Guard cutter was sent to, to out to look for him. And in a, a Coast Guard airplane. And, and within six minutes, uh, his motor went. You don't want an airplane motor to do that either. And he crash landed into the sea. Well, he survived. But all he had, because his plane, by the time he could get out, it sunk. And so he has a leaky life vest, and that's it. And as he's floating there, wondering how he's going to stay alive until they find him, you know, because uh, the storm has rolled through, uh, he, he lays on his back, and he's starting to relax a little bit, and bump. You see, he had hit his head when he crashed, and he was bleeding and so a shark went bump, and he kicked it off. For the next 10 hours, he floated there, uh, keeping two bull sharks away, uh, kicking them in the nose when they got close enough to take a nibble. And he didn't see any airplanes. He wondered what was going to happen, and finally he saw an airplane. And he took his leaky life jack off, and he's swimming, and he's doing this, and he's holding up and kicking sharks, and he's waving the thing. And, and uh, the airplane dropped a smoke canister by him. And told the, the cutter that was coming from the Coast Guard to hurry up that he's being targeted by sharks. And when, he, when they finally got to him, they threw over a little ladder for him to climb up a little Jacob's ladder. And he climbed up. He fell exhausted onto the deck and kissed the deck and said, praise the Lord. You see, he didn't need better techniques. He didn't need encouragement. He needed deliverance. And I want to tell you something. If you're in your sin, because the Bible says all of sin and comes short of the glory of God. And then it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, gift of life, of eternal life, is through Jesus Christ our Lord. We didn't need somebody to tell us how to be better people. There's a lot of books out there for that. We didn't need somebody to give us better techniques on how to live. There's lots of books on that also. We needed delivered from the kingdom of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of love. And that happens because our God is able to save when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. 
And so it doesn't matter where you are, how far you've gone away, doesn't matter what you've done, this morning God is offering you a chance. Accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Nothing else will do. You can argue that all you want to, but the Bible says very plainly, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. God didn't understand any other way you might have planned. The Bible says, for by grace you save through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Our God's able to save. Have you accepted Christ publicly as your Lord and Savior? Jesus never called a single secret disciple in the New Testament. They all had to take a stand publicly. The second thing that I see here is our God is able to sanctify. Our God is able to sanctify. Romans 15, 16, I'm going to read it for you, says this. I'm going to read verses 15 and 16. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of Christ, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. To be sanctified, the definition is set apart. It means set apart for holy use, set apart for our God's use, literally to make us holy. God uses people, and we are always perfect, but he goes through the process of sanctification, making us more like Jesus. In other words, he wants us to mature as saints so that we can be of any use that he wants to use us for. But it's also positional. 1 Corinthians 1-2 says this, To the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Sanctified doesn't just mean set apart for God's use. It means set apart from the world, world positioned into the family of God. See, our God is able to sanctify. You cannot come to Jesus Christ and be the same. The Bible is very plain. It says if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you sit there and you tell me nothing really changed when you got saved, I challenge you because you didn't really get saved. Because our God sanctifies those that are saved. So it's the definition. It was positional. It's also practical. First uh, Thessalonians five twenty three. Uh, well, if I get there, says this. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we're sanctified to work. We're sanctified to serve Jesus until he comes again. And it means our entire being. In America, we're bad about uh, sexing off parts of our lives. This is work. This is home. This is play. This is church. This is something else over here. No. Jesus is Lord over all or he's not Lord at all. And he sanctifies us to serve us in all those different little classifications of life we try to compartmentalize. Uh, Charlie Waters was a former uh, strong safety for the Dallas Cowboys. And he had a college coach named Frank Howard, okay, at Clemson. 
Frank Howard was conducting practice, and his first-string quarterback went down with a knee injury. So he called the second guy over there, the second-string quarterback, told him, get out there. He broke his shoulder. Okay, he called the third-string guy. You know where this is going, right? He hurt his knee also. Called the four-string guy. He put his hands on his shoulders. He looked at him with his helmet, and he said, son, do you believe in magic? Well, maybe a little. He said, poof, you're a starting quarterback. Sometimes we think that Christian life is supposed to be that way. Poof, you're a mature Christian. Poof, you're useful. No. Christ sanctifies us as we serve. Christ wants us to serve him, and he grows us to more service. You're not saved to sit. You're saved to serve. You're not saved to be the same. You're saved to be sanctified, set apart. In God's family, apart from the world, but in the world. We don't act like the world because we're Christians, but we serve others because we are Christians. And we need to ask, are we waiting for God to poof us? Or are we getting with it in service and ministry? The final point is this. Y'all can say amen, okay? You might get out of here on time. You've been responding pretty good. Our God is able to equip us for service. God never calls you without equipping you. The Holy Spirit gives every Christian at the moment of your salvation at least one gift, some more than one. And expects you to use it in the kingdom of God in a local baptized body of believers. To build up the church. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says this. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundant abundance for every good work. Man, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? See, grace is unmerited favor. Grace is really the ability of God to take us in our flawed state, get us to where we need to be, and use us for what he wants us to be. And become. Do we understand that? See we have an abundance for every good work. Whether we want to admit it. Our God can. Our God is able. There's no excuses. Well I'll be saved later when I clean up. You'll never clean up. I've said it before. There isn't a single person here. That cleans the fish before he catches it. Jesus will take care of cleaning you. You have to be caught. You have to surrender. Not only that, some people like to sit. Your sanctification is a part of the work of Christ for your ultimate glorification when we go to heaven. And that sanctification process means we serve. If you're not serving in this church and you remember, I got... A few words. Shame on you. Why did it get so quiet in here? (laughs) Now why would you do that, Brother Gary? That's mean. No, it's not. I'm just trying to help you to become what God wants you to become. If you've never joined the church... We have a place for you right here through baptism or statement or letter, how we receive members. 
I had somebody tell me one time, well, I don't want to join because you expect me to work. I don't expect anything of you that I don't find in Scripture. Do you, do you hear that? I also don't expect anything of you that I'm not willing to do. I'm the pastor, but I can still unclog a toilet. I can sweep a floor. I'm not much use for anything else, but you can say amen to that too, okay? Yeah, I can be a taste tester. Yeah, I like that job. <laughs> I just can't fi- quite find that spiritual gift in the Bible. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, when we say our God is able, and then we put limits on what we think we can do, what are we really saying about our God? We're saying He's not able. So which camp are you in? Is He able to save? Is He able to sanctify? Is he able to equip you for service? Or do you just want to say, ah, that's good for other folks, but not for me? Then my question is, what God do you serve? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Some need to come this morning accepting Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. You come forward and I'll show you from Scripture how to do that. Some people need to come. And just surrender anew, just in rededication, and say, whatever you have for me to do, Lord, I am willing. Just equip me, and we'll do it. Some need to come and join this church, put your life and work here. We would love to have you. And I'm not saying I'm going to put you to work right away, but we're going to let you grow a little bit, and know some people, and let them love on you so that you're equipped to do what God wants you to do. Some might need to come and surrender some burdens. You've got so many burdens in your life, and they're real, and I'm not making fun of them. They're very real. They're in-your-face giants. And the only one who can help you with them is Jesus Christ and His power, because He is able. And you need to come to this altar and either have me pray with you or go to the sides of the altar and you pray and surrender those giants, those burdens to the Lord, and leave them at the altar. I'm going to pray. Then we're going to stand and sing. And Brother Ronnie's going to lead us in that hymn. Don't worry about getting out of here. You're going to get out of here on time. But you worry about, am I doing what God wants me to do today? Father God, thank you for this time, for the attentiveness of your people, for their being here. I'm so proud of them. As my brother Randy Queen says, they could have been anywhere else, but they chose to be in your house because they love you. And that's the truth. So Father, you just... Be with us. Let us do your will. Let us surrender to you what you want us to surrender to you. In Christ's name, amen.